This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, everybody? This is the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams, Rusty Mansell of Dogs 24-7. And this is an emergency podcast because Georgia has hired Todd Munkin to its coaching staff. Don't yet know what the role is, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what he brings to the table, his successes, what we think about the hire, who he helps. We're going to jump into all of that, and we're going to jump right into it. And I'm going to throw it to you, Rusty. This happened quick. This happened really quick. You and I talked on the phone probably an hour ago. Heard it was both of us heard it was on the way going to happen. How do we want to treat it? All of that stuff. Um, Your thoughts on kind of how it went down and and how quickly it happened and and Munkin himself. You know, just kind of learning like everybody else about him. And, uh, you know, this name's been floating around for a couple of days now. So we've all done a little bit of research on him, reached out to different people, different sources. I think when you look at his body of work, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of talk about Oklahoma State, obviously what he did there and uh, being at LSU under that under that offense and, and things like that. But I think, you know, really just kind of looking at him, taking a Southern Miss team from 1-11, and 11, and two years later they were 9-4 and four in a regular season. So that tells me, uh, you know, that's when he got the Tampa Bay offensive coordinator job, did a, did a, did a really good job there. And, um, you know, talking to some sources and say the last 10, 15 minutes uh, seems like Oregon and Oklahoma State both made a run at him in the last week or so. So I don't think we'll ever know the whole truth as far as, you know, Kirby Smart, how long this has been going on and the talks and those types of deals. But sounds like others were warning him. And uh, from what it sounds like, you know, Kirby Smart won the sweepstakes, I, I guess, so to speak. And uh, guy Todd Monken, you know, we don't know the official, as of time that we're recording this, we don't know the official title, what his role was going to be. But I'm sure you all will agree. I'll be very surprised if he is not the play caller um, to come into Georgia because you just when you go competing against other schools uh, to hire someone, uh, you know they're gonna they kind of hold the cards. And and if he's gonna be a play caller, uh, you know that's his desire. I'm sure. And and I'm, I'm I would be very surprised if he's not doing that uh, capacity at Georgia. You know that's the one thing I heard uh, starting kind of over the weekend was that, you know, Kirby, I, I never thought that they were going to hire a special teams coach. It just didn't make a lot of sense to me because, you know, there, there were just more ways to handle it than that. But I had heard that, that the feeling around this was that if Kirby Smart thought, you know, that, that a special teams coach could be the best thing for this staff, that he would do that. And, and it doesn't surprise me that he's hired an offensive guy, an offensive guy that's not going to be a special teams coordinator. I think that's the number one thing we can go ahead and rule out. But, but you know, that that's the one thing that kind of stands out to me here is that he did reach over to the offensive side of the ball. And he reached over and he got a, 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 a coach 
that has coached running backs. He's coached receivers. Heck, he's coached defensive backs. It's been a very long time, but he's done that. And he's coached quarterbacks. So he's he's been around a lot of different positions. He's coached a lot of different offensive football, not unlike James Coley, who's coached quarterbacks, uh, tight ends, and receivers as well. But but that's that's one of the things that stands out to me is is kind of the the interesting nature of of how Kirby decided to fill this position. Kip, what are your thoughts on the Munkin hire Munkin as a coach himself? Well, first off, you just got to, you know, if, if you zoom out on this, I mean, Kirby Smart lost two outstanding coaches in Scott Fountain and Sam Pittman this offseason. And, and so, you know, the narrative early on was, you know, that we're starting to see some, you know, maybe a turning point in, in George's momentum. You know, maybe, uh, you know, he's losing some of his, his early buzz. And what does Kirby Smart go and do? I mean, he hires a pair of former head coaches to the staff and, and Matt Luke, you know, and Todd Munkin. And not only does he get a guy in Todd Munkin who has had very explosive offenses, but I mean, he gets a guy that does exactly, you know, the scheme and, and the concepts that, I mean, a lot of people had been looking to see what Kirby smart was going to do. If he was, if his offense was going to, you know, quote, stay in the past, end quote. I mean, that was a lot of thing. You know, the the narrative on Georgia was that the offense was stale, and, and he's bringing in a guy that, you know, everyone's going to mention air raid, but, I mean, it's more of a – it's a spread offense that, that stretches the field and, and attacks defenses and keeps them on their heels, not just vertically but horizontally as well. So, I mean, if you want to talk about what – the overall narrative should be now it should be that you know kirby smart looked at the season overall looked at the offense on the field and decided you know what we need to we can get a lot better here and i mean i don't think he could have made you know a better hire than what he did a guy that's established i mean he can't get much more established than todd monk and a guy that you know, it coveted not just at the collegiate level, but I mean, at, at the NFL level as well. I mean, he, he there's no doubt that that he had multiple opportunities to to be an offensive coordinator at the co- the the college and NFL level right now. And for Kirby to be able to land him, I think, is a big win for this program and establish that. As Kirby Smart said when they lost that uh, national championship game a couple years ago, that Georgia's not going anywhere. And I think you have to circle back and look at that and go, that's still true right now with the hires he's been able to make this offseason. You know, he he's had he's been in the NFL, I think, for the past four years. And he was hired by Lovey Smith originally in 2015. And then he stuck around uh, under Dirk Cutter's staff there for uh, for two or three years there in um uh, in tampa uh maybe three years actually i think he's been in the nfl last five years but but he he's been hired by three different nfl head coaches uh four four different nfl head coaches you go back to his time at jacksonville as the wide receivers coach and and to me you know listen i know you know everybody would want to point to brian schottenheimer and the fact that brian schottenheimer had a bunch of different offensive coordinator jobs Listen, Brian Schottenheimer was coaching in the playoffs this past week. I think what what happened with Brian Schottenheimer showed more about kind of what was going on at Georgia at the time, and 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 he, Schottenheimer, like uh, like like uh, Monken here, is going to 
uh, inherit a grad transfer quarterback, and that's probably going to be a starter. So that's an interesting dynamic. Another guy from the ACC, too, if you want to go that route. Uh, but but ultimately, um, this this to me is a little different, and, and, and it's a little different with also understanding that, that Brian Schottenheimer's went on to have a, some success since leaving Georgia, obviously with a really good quarterback in Russell Wilson in Seattle. But, but to me, the, the, the fact that he's coached under such uh, really good head coaches and, and head coaches at the NFL level, uh, you know, you look at, you know, Mike Gundy, you look at, you look at uh, uh, Les Miles. I mean, it, I've pointed out his success at Oklahoma State, which we'll get into a little bit more, where they lit it up through the air. But if you look at how LSU and Jamarcus Russell grew from 2005, Munkin's first year there, to 2006, that's also a pretty stark contrast as well as something that I've been researching. So, you know, there's a lot to like about this hire and, and how much it helps Georgia from the passing game standpoint. But I also want to point out that, that Munkin's a guy who likes to run the football too and, and has been able to scheme it up and run it effectively. At Oklahoma State, they finished uh, 11th in 2011 in yards per carry. They finished, uh, uh, sorry, they finished 10th in 2011 and 11th in 2012. So they've had they he's been able to do it in multiple ways and and uh, you know I, I just think that that his success overall as an offensive coordinator has been big and another thing I'll point out and we've hit on it I want to get you guys opinion on it too and, and Kip you've probably already given yours a little bit here but the recruiting job uh, it, it's it's not just you know recruiting high school players it's getting coaches to join your staff and getting Munkin who I'm sure like Rusty you said Oklahoma State. Uh, uh, Oregon were involved. Other schools wanted him. You know, other pro teams were probably looking for a receivers or a quarterbacks coach, maybe an offensive coordinator. There, there's some motion going on there in the NFL. And the, the, the job Kirby Smart did of getting this experienced coach to come to his staff, I don't think that can be, be overstated. No, when you look at this, I mean, I, I try to look at the, the big picture of this and in knowing that uh, – we can talk about James Coley for the rest of the show. I just think that Kirby Smart knew there needed to be a change, and for whatever reason, uh, bringing in this guy when he had an opportunity once Scott Fountain left, uh, and again, i touch on that, like Kip said, two great coaches that left the program, and I think he's made two really good hires here. Uh, but, but I think when you look at the overall thing, I try to look a little bit forward, and I know this. When you're looking at the University of Georgia, obviously it's one of the top programs in the country for, for anyone. Their defense is going to be so good. You would be, in my opinion, crazy not to want to come here because you don't have to light it up. I know fans don't want to hear that. You don't have to score 650 points to win games here. Now, they're going to try to score a lot more than they did this year. There's no question. they got some talented young guys. they got a lot of turnover, new quarterbacks, so we'll see all that. But if you're looking and you're Todd Monk and looking around other places and you go, you know what? That defense is going to be damn good. That defense there, they're, they're going to be in every game. It's not going to be on us every single week. Uh, I just think Kirby Smart knows that, you know, what they've got on that side of the ball and need to be a change on offense. And let's try to capitalize while we got, you know, this, this group together and try to make a run at this thing. So, I just try to look at it as, as Todd Munkin, you know, what he's thinking and maybe why he chose Georgia probably over some other places. And, you know, look, they got guys. It's a great state, uh, great program. But ultimately, defensively, man, it's not going to be on you every week. Some weeks you're going to have to score 30 or 40 to win. You know, LSU, you had to score at least 40 to beat them at any point this year. Nobody could do it. 
Alabama scored what forty one and still lost. So um, I just think you look at the whole. I try to look at the whole picture with this, and I think Ty Monken saw an opportunity in Georgia and he took it. Kid, what well, you you shared some of your thoughts on on Kirby kind of being able to lure him to Georgia. Uh, what you know in terms of of the selling points and, and Rusty hit on some of those. Are there any you can kind of add to that? I mean, I, I think you look at what Georgia now has in the quarterback room, you know, and, and just the the receivers that are coming back. I think if you're Todd Munkin, you have to be pretty excited about that. But regardless. Like I said, I mean, this is a guy that was going to have multiple opportunities. Now he, you know, he gets to kind of be, I guess, potentially uh, the hero for Georgia. Georgia fields, uh, you know, a highly explosive offense this year, and you know, pushes that scoring average, you know, 34, 35 plus. Uh, it's going to, you know, not just look very good for Kirby Smart, but also Todd Munkin, who, you know, could have you know, bigger opportunities on his mind down the road. And this is definitely a chance for him to, you know, immediately put his stamp on a program. I, I think, you know, it, it, we're making it sound like Kirby really had to put a hard sell on, on, on Munkin, but for, you know, evaluating all of his options, I think, you know, Georgia is a great opportunity as far as the talent they're going to put on the field and the expectations there. I don't think he could have really landed in an opportunity for a program that, you know, is going to have a highly successful season. I think this was his best opportunity as far as, you know, all the opportunities he may have had. I have no idea what he had out there, but I mean, Georgia, again, is expected to be a top 10 program again in, in 2020. And since Kirby Smart took over, they, they've been that program that is pushing to make the college football playoff so uh, honestly I think it, it was something that worked out well for both sides as far as just you know the opportunity to field a great product and then also the opportunity to to for improvement on offense it just worked out well and Kirby Smart was obviously aggressive here I mean this was a name that did not come out of nowhere really I mean Jake like I said I I'd, I'd heard this name being mentioned, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago before Jake Fromm had, had even announced his decision to enter the draft. Uh, Todd Munkin was a name that, that I'd heard that, you know, there was interest in, you know, on Georgia's side, you know, whether or not conversations, when those conversations first took place, I'm not sure on that end, but it's a guy that obviously Kirby Smart circled and said, this is the guy that I have a lot of interest in. Let's see if it works out. And it obviously did. And I think that, you know, George is going to benefit from being, you know, very unpredictable on offense moving forward. And, and, and there's there's a chance there for, for both sides to really gain a lot from that and, and for the Georgia program to potentially take that next step and, and answer a lot of questions that, that have been poised toward them in, in the last year or two moving forward. So, you know, it, this was a potential turning point for Kirby Smart. And a lot of eyes have been on him early on in his head coaching career whether or not he can make these these hard decisions. And it seems that he has shown he's not afraid to make a change when one is needed. Absolutely. And, and again, circling back and coming full circle to the topic itself is to go along with making the hard decisions, you've got to have the ability to get the guy that makes the hard decision pay off. And Munkin certainly has that potential. I don't think any of us is going to pretend or, or make a wild projection on on how – this changes things, how this improves things. 
but the potential is absolutely there. And uh, we're going to take a break real quick. We're going to get, and on the other side, want to talk about kind of what what Todd Munkin inherits at Georgia, what he's going to have a chance to work with, talk about some of his exploits at the college level and and kind of what he did while at Oklahoma State and LSU and, uh, and get into more of that. But let's take a quick break and uh, we'll talk about it on the other side. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. All right. Now, want to jump into what Todd Munkin's going to be working with at Georgia. And, and, you know, this was probably part of the whole selling point for Kirby Smart when the discussions were taking place. Obviously, Jamie Newman's a big part of that, uh, a, a very talented uh, quarterback who, who I think is, is just kind of scratching the surface. And, and, again, just like it is with Munkin, don't want to just go all wild and crazy and say Jamie Newman's going to be a superstar at Georgia, although there are some who believe that and I think the potential is there as well. You, you never know how it's going to fit. You never know how injuries are going to affect things and 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 relationships and all that stuff. But but you know Jamie Newman's there. He's got a number bona fide number one receiver there in George Pickens, over 700 yards receiving in his freshman season. A a group of talented running backs, most of whom unproven, if not all of those guys are unproven. A little bit of a weird situation on the offensive line, although Justin Schaefer. Uh, announcing that he's been cleared was huge for Georgia on uh, on Thursday. But but Rusty, what's your thought on on what Todd Munkin inherits to work with offensively, and 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 kind of how he may try to, to build this offense around that? Well, I mean, obviously, you look at the quarterback position, and and I'm not going to pretend to be the Jamie Newman expert. Um, you know, I have watched some things on him, impressed what I've saw. The thing you will, the thing that Todd Munkin knows, and I do think that Jamie Newman. Um, is going to wind up being the starting quarterback at the University of Georgia this year. Um, we'll see as the spring and summer unfolds, but for this for this answer, let's just say that. And He's been in a lot of games. Um, obviously, he's been a starter, played on the road at home, ACC, so he's kind of been in the arena. I think he inherits a guy that's a, listen, when you come from Wake Forest academically, you obviously, and you graduate, um, smart young man, so he'll be able to give him Probably most of all, his playbook. You're going to inherit running backs. Uh, you're going to inherit some some wide receivers. George Pickens, uh, Dominic Blaylock coming back from everything. Karis Jackson. You're going to have uh, Matt Landers, guy that kind of finished on a high note Sugar Bowl. And you're going to have all these young, talented wide receivers. So he's going to have some pieces of the puzzle there. Um, you know, people ask about you know I'm already getting texts about air raid. Are we really doing that? Jake, I think you touched on that. I don't really think that, that George is going to try to uh, reinvent the wheel. I mean, they, they run the ball. Now, they've got to be able to uh, score more points. And, and ever how they're going to do that, they're going to throw the ball more. They're going to be more creative in their formations, those types of things. 
Um, he has a passing background, so I would imagine uh, that that's going to be more uh, of a um, constant moving forward with Georgia. But uh, you know, Kirby Smart's not—they're not going to go. You know, you look at LSU and then what they did is one of the most the best offenses ever. I mean, they had a, a running back that rushed for a, what I don't know, fifteen, sixteen hundred yards, something like that. I mean. Um, so th- there's running games with high scoring offenses. And, and I think that, um, you know, people are going to say, Hey, we're going to be just completely passing the ball. That's, that's not going to happen. Georgia's not built that way. Um, and they're going to have some offensive linemen back. There's going to be some spots open. Um, I just think Justin Schaefer, I don't think he really made news yesterday, but that's a pretty damn big piece of the puzzle. I mean, that's a veteran guy that obviously Sam Pittman believed in. And you get a guy like that back who's played, um, you know, he's played in big games before as well. So I think the pieces are there. I'm just kind of interested in in how Jamie Newman, what he how he does in the SEC. I think Todd Monken has been several, so many places uh, that he's going to be able to adapt to what his personality is right now. I think that's the most important thing. He can adapt to the personnel as opposed to forcing it on what Georgia may not have right now. So, uh, I, look. I think Georgia can be very, very good on offense. They got some really, really talented young guys, and they got an alpha wide receiver uh, in George Pickens. So we'll see. I just think that uh, Jamie Newman's the piece, and how much he can absorb, and and how how the dynamic between him and Todd Monken, if we do believe he's the play caller, uh, how that works out through the spring and summer. Kip, what are your thoughts on uh, on what Georgia? Uh, I'm sorry, what what Monken has uh, to work with upon arriving at Georgia. I think right off the bat, the obvious, you know, first response is that, you know, Jamie Newman, from all we've read and we've seen from him, he excels as being able to, you know, push the ball downfield. You know, all the stats, the grades as far as him being a deep ball passer fit right in to what Todd Munkin, you know, has enjoyed doing as far as just stretching the field with vertical concepts and really just the the thing that should be most promising for Georgia's offense is, is just the fact that his offenses t- try to stress out the defense, you know, vertically and horizontally. You know, every every foot matters when you're when you're defending uh, an offense like this because, again, <clears throat> they're trying to use the entire field. Uh, obviously, the passing game is, is what stands out the most, but at, you know, at the same time, his running backs. Uh, whether it's Joseph Randall, whether it's the running backs he had at Ole Miss, I mean, they would average, you know, their top guy would have 35-plus catches. So the running back is going to get, you know, utilized in the passing game more. And that's something that a lot of people have been really, you know, curious about the last couple years at Georgia, I think. Uh, You know, if you're looking for someone else who might really benefit from this, obviously if you have a – a Dominic Blaylock coming back healthy. I think his skill set really fits, you know, what a Todd Munkin offense can really, you know, utilize. You look at what Justin Blackman did at Oklahoma State, a guy who made a lot of plays after the catch, you know, a guy that would would get, you know, open in space. And, and, and you know, Todd was able to make sure he got the ball, you know, time and time again. And, and Dominic Blaylock, you know, Jermaine Burton, when he gets there, he's got a similar skill set. Those are the kind of guys that can really shine in this this style of offense. And, and so I think those are guys you kind of look at and, and, and as potential 
you know, what number two wide receivers? Obviously, obviously George Pickens is is going to you know get his his throws no matter what, just because of of what he brings to the table physically. But you know, people have been trying to look and see where can this you know production come from other than George Pickens, and I think in this style of offense, those are a couple of guys that really have a chance to to put up some pretty big numbers uh, in an offense that. You know the the passing game is is the focal point. I think as far as the run game, it's it's obviously from what I've seen, it's going to be a, there's there's a lot of zone concepts that that he's run before a lot a lot of motion. You know a lot of shift. I think the the key here is is that he tries to utilize every formation and personnel possible to uh to keep defenses on their heels and if again we're all everyone's looking at, at LSU's offense last year and Joe Brady and his quotes after the game were just that we're going to use every blade of gr- grass possible to uh to attack opposing defenses a- every potential way we can and there are some similarities there and just what Todd's overall offensive philosophy has been in the past is mixing it up and, and attacking down the field but also being able to to hit the screen you know to to stress the defense on the perimeter as as well so i mean there's a lot to potentially be excited about there and and i think that georgia's roster sets up very well with that with the guys they have on campus and i mean again the, the running backs that they have uh, there's an opportunity there to really utilize them a lot more moving forward. So I don't think you have to look at this and say, you know, is the running game going to go out the window? Uh, his, you know, his offenses have done very well. He had 2,000 yard running backs, I believe, at Southern Miss. Ido uh, Smith, I think Jalen Richard, those guys both ran for 1,000 yards at, at Southern Miss. I think, you know, they averaged well over 230 rushing yards uh, at Oklahoma State. I, I don't think that that's something that Kirby Smart's going to let, you know, that part of the playbook, uh, you know, gather dust very much, especially, again, playing the SEC schedule. You still have to make opposing defense respect the run game. I mean, LSU made you respect every aspect of their offense. And I think overall, I mean, Kirby Smart obviously would love to have that on offense, and I think that in Todd Munkin you have someone who brings a scheme that should not be, you know, overly challenging for the players to learn, and 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 should be something that that Georgia can can turn to and and really find some immediate success with. I, I think it's huge because potentially huge for sure, but because of of the receiving talent Georgia has coming in and the and, and the receiving talent on Georgia's roster. Uh, you know, you've got a guy like Demetrius Robertson who hasn't really clicked just yet. Looked like he was going to start right at the start of the season. I think you know that that's a guy that you know. Re- listen, Munkin's a receiver guy. He's coached receivers more than any other position in, in his career uh, as an assistant coach. So you know, I look at that LSU team that he coached. Uh, you know, in 2006, I believe they had three receivers over 700 yards. I think they had three receivers that would have led Georgia in receiving this year. Jamarcus Russell threw for 3,400 yards and 
you know, and, and I'll get into those numbers a little bit later when we when we talk about you know uh, LSU and and what he did at Oklahoma State. But I, I to me, I look at the personnel and I just think I think you know that that he has a real opportunity with his expertise in coaching receivers, expertise in coaching offense, motions and formations, creating mismatches. That that the receiver group is one that that probably piqued his interest a little bit because you know listen like, like Rusty pointed out and I, in verbatim I'm going to use it he's an alpha receiver he's an alpha male out there he showed that in the Sugar Bowl and and uh, I just think this is something that w- w- he's going to have multiple years to work with those guys provided he's at Georgia for multiple years and listen that's not a given I'm not trying to uh, to put a damper on this thing but you know it's it's very possible that a, a big time NFL team could come calling as an offensive coordinator if he has a lot of success this year happened to Joe Brady and he wasn't even the play caller at uh at lsu so you know that that's something to consider as well but there's a bright future for georgia at the receiver position when you look at the guys on campus and the guys that they could be joined that they'll be joined by uh and, and have already been joined by and justin robinson and and jermaine burton and marcus rosamy and arian smith i mean there there are just some really talented dudes there and, and i think that was probably one of the big selling points uh before we kind of uh move on to to uh the whole idea of, of what he has done as a college coach and, and what he's done as an offensive coordinator and how he's impacted passing games and things like that. Uh, Kip, give me a guy that you think that that uh, Todd Monkey can have a huge impact on. Who benefits the most, do you think, from from Georgia adding him uh, to, to this role on the offense? Well, I'll just, I'll just go back to, to what I said before. I, I think that a, a healthy Dominic Blaylock stands to, to really excel in, in this offense. Now, again, I mean, last year, George Pickens, you know, was that guy for Georgia. That is not going to change. But, you know, after Pickens, it was really tough to really, you know, showcase or, or look in this offense and say, Here's a number two guy. Here's another guy that is is you know being highly productive and is getting a lot of looks. You know it was there was a huge separation. You know after Cager Lawrence Cager went down for that next guy, and it was you know it, it really was a that outside fade, the outside shoulder fade. You know that was just the kind of the focal point. If you had that in your re- repertoire, then then you were going to to be that number one guy. You know, with Jake from quarterback in that offense, but now, uh, you know, under a Todd Munkin offense and with Jamie Newman at quarterback, I think that, you know, they have an opportunity to really showcase multiple wide receivers out there and and to get a lot of production out of them. I I think that, you know, uh, a healthy Dominic Blaylock really has a chance to to put up big time numbers in this offense, and and you know, just that that combination of of having a guy like Jamie Newman who can who can get the ball to any any part of the field, but also the, those throwing lanes. Again, outside the pocket, whether that's by design or whether a play, a play breaks down, I think, you know, Jamie showcases that ability to, to really utilize more of the field, you know, when needed than what Georgia's had before. And Dominic has that, you know, that capacity to, to you know, get open, but also make plays after the catch, the, that physicality and, and that natural playmaking ability. You know, if he comes back this summer, which at this point we've all heard he, he should be able to, to make that return. Everything's going well with his rehab. 
I think he has a chance to to really be, you know, a rising star in this offense and, and one of the, the better players in the conference this year. And, and that's exactly what Georgia needs. They need multiple playmakers, you know, at the wide receiver position. They obviously recruited well, have, a you know, a good group of guys coming in the, in this class. But I, I don't think anyone should, you know, forget about who Dominic Blaylock was this past season for Georgia, his first year, and and who he has the ability to, you know, really be in, in this offense moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just to let everybody know, we lost Rusty. He had something he had to go take care of real quick. Uh, who knows what that could be? Could could be some getting reported. We really don't know. Uh, but but he had to sign off. So it's just Kip and I for for just a few more minutes here as we talk about this. And I just keep going back to those receivers, man. I keep going back. Listen, Joe Brady got a lot of credit for his impact on the offensive scheme and and what he changed there. But I looked at Joe Brady, I looked at that LSU uh, SEC championship game with Georgia, and I saw some of the best coached wide receivers I'd seen. I think I think Munkin brings some expertise there that's going to help Cortez Hankton. It's going to help the receivers. To be honest with you, I think Cortez Hankton could be the big winner here. But I, I'm, if we're going to go with players, I think it's just every single wide receiver in Georgia's room. Everybody from George Pickens to the much maligned Matt Landers and Micaiah Tongue and guys like that, uh, the incoming guys, I just think that so much can be brought from an idea standpoint, from a drill standpoint, from a concept standpoint that can help those guys. And I just I think this move – Listen, Jamie Newman's huge. Don't get me wrong. Like I, 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 I really like what I see from him on film. And and as I, 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 if if the ACC networks condensed games on YouTube provide every offensive play, I've seen every offensive play that Jamie Newman played this year. Okay, so I, I really like what I saw. I grew to like him more and more as I watched him. But but I just think that that we learned this year that your receiving talent means a lot. And those guys help the quarterback that's not always accurate, and no quarterback ever is always accurate. So uh, I just think that that Munkin's impact on the receivers can't be o- uh, overstated here. It's it's massive. Uh, his his uh, his experience coaching those guys, and and not only that, but the way he can scheme them and and get them to mismatches. I'm really interested to see how all that works out. Uh, but but all of those things are reasons uh, to be excited. And another reason to be excited about this thing, too, is, you know, you look at what he did at Oklahoma State and you look at what he did at LSU, and, and those are impressive things. You know, I, I was looking at the LSU numbers a little bit earlier, Kip, and, and one of the things that stood out to me was when you looked at LSU in 2005, and that was a team that was that – was, in the SEC championship game, played Georgia. Georgia kind of uh, handed it to him in that SEC championship game. But in that season, uh, Jamarcus Russell completed 60.5% of his passes, 24, uh, a little over 2,400 yards, almost eight yards per uh, per attempt, okay? And, and you know, they had some good receivers. Had Dwayne Bowe, who was over 700 yards. Uh, had uh, Craig Davis that was over 500 yards, and that was a good offense. They had a great defense, too. They had Joseph Adai running the football, nine touchdowns, five yards of carry, uh, a really good offense. But then when you look to 2006, his second year there, his second year working with that passing game, and he wasn't the quarterback's coach, but he was the, the passing game coordinator, and 
things took off. I mean, Jamarcus Russell all of a sudden completes uh, almost 68% of his passes, over 3,000 yards, 9.1 yards per attempt, which is impressive, 28 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. And again, not crediting Jamarcus Russell's development, uh, not, not giving the credit for Jamarcus Russell's development to Todd Munkin, but the receivers, uh, Dwayne Bowe, uh, 990 yards. Uh, Craig Davis, 836 yards. Early Doucette, 772 yards. Three wide receivers over 700 yards. Now, that doesn't touch what LSU's receivers did this year with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson each having over 1,500 yards receiving. But it lets you know that that passing game developed with Todd Munkin's hand in it, and, and that's important. Now, does that say something about maybe the expectation shouldn't be super high in year one? Maybe so, but but I do expect Georgia's passing game to be better because they're they should be better at receiver and and Jamie Newman's going to be able to stress some teams with his legs a little bit. Uh, I do I do wonder what Jake Fromm would have looked like, you know, playing in an offense like Todd Munkin's where the the emphasis is on making the team defend the entire field and and where it is on creating mismatches. And, and I'm sure James Coley's offense had a lot to do with that as well. And and you can tell by our tone while we can't really confirm. That, that Todd Munkin is going to be the offensive coordinator, play caller, quarterbacks coach, or anything like that, we expect it. It was going to be hard to get him without that. But, Kip, uh, when you look, have you looked at, have you looked at any numbers that have kind of stood out to you from his time coaching in the college ranks? It's a little tougher in the NFL because, listen, Nick Saban's greatest college football coach maybe of all time struggled in the NFL a little bit. So the NFL is a different animal. It, it, you've got to find the right fit. You've got to have the right players. I don't think you can just look at the NFL numbers and say this is what Todd Munkin is. But you know, when you look at Oklahoma State, look at LSU, was there anything that really stood out to you in terms of what he did as either a play caller, offense coordinator, passing game coordinator? I'm looking at this 2011 game against Baylor. This was a team that had RG3, I believe. They won 10 games. I think they finished inside the top 13 in the country that year. Uh, and again, this is going back to everyone's talking about how they're going to stretch the field vertically. You know, th- this is opening up the passing game. But in that game, Oklahoma State with, with Todd Munkin at offensive coordinator, they-, they ran for 327 yards on 27 carries in that game. So, I mean, again, you have to remember that this offense, you know, under Kirby Smart, they're still going to be able to, you know, run the ball effectively, in my opinion. I think that he is going to be a pass-oriented offensive coordinator, but who knows that you have to have an effective ground attack. And I think that in big games, I think they're still going to be able to establish the the ground game, especially. I mean, if you if you see on film that your offensive line has the advantage in the game. I think that's the aspect. That's where the area they're going to attack. I think this is going to be about attacking defenses more than just going in with a stubborn game plan and saying, we're going to run the ball 35 times a game, regardless of who our opponent is. I think that's the aspect of, of this offense that they could see the most changes. It's going to be about, you know, attacking, you know, the the areas of the opponent's defense where they see a clear advantage, but also taking advantage of what they have on the roster, which is really what you know we've said on this podcast before. 
is really what you want you know you want to see out of an offensive coordinator and defense coordinator you want to see them utilize the personnel to their advantage first and foremost rather than trying to make someone fit the scheme that you have in place and i think that that's something that todd munkin's been able to do during his time and you just look at his you know his last seasons in college you know he had teams that averaged <laughs> Uh, what 39.9 points per game 48.7 points per game I see a 45.7 on there and, and I see well over 500 yards per game now is he going to be able to do that you know in the SEC this year it's probably tough sledding there but but those are elite offensive numbers regardless and he I mean he his last couple of years especially at Southern Miss uh, he didn't have a, an elite you know unit to work with but he has shown that he could take, you know, a really good offense and make it elite. Uh, I think it's, you know, the two years at Oklahoma State are by far their most productive years. So he's shown that he could take, you know, what is probably average personnel and, and put a lot of points on the board. And he can take, you know, pretty good players and, and really utilize them well. So I, I think he's shown that, you know, he can adapt to the situation, but he can also – uh, you know, field a highly explosive offense and, and several different, you know, uh, rosters, whether it's LSU, Oklahoma State, or Southern Miss. So I, I think there's a lot to, to be excited about here. And I think that, again, a guy that had a lot of opportunities and, and Kirby Smart was able to sell him on this being the best one. I mean, that should not be forgotten in all of this. I, I think that you know, the it's interesting to see what, what happens is moving forward as far as the recruiting. Uh, you know, do not have a lot of, you know, history or I have not followed him as a recruiter that much. But I, I don't expect that to, to be an issue at Georgia under Kirby Smart. And I think now you definitely have something you could sell to recruits as far as, you know, a, a promising offensive scheme. And I think that would probably sell itself at Georgia fairly well. That will be interesting to see just, you know, uh, what the specific position coaches, the roles are moving forward with Todd Monken and, and, and James Coley and the rest of that coaching staff. Just for recruiting purposes on my end, that's something I'll be interested in seeing moving forward. But schematically and, and just history-wise and production-wise, I think Todd Munkin has a great resume and, and brings a lot to the table for Georgia fans to be very excited about. One more thing before we go. Uh, obviously, I left out Southern Miss when I was talking about LSU and, and the Oklahoma State stuff. But uh, his final year at, at uh, Southern Miss, after he engineered an incredible turnaround, Ellis Johnson had led that program to an 0-12 record uh, in his only season as the head coach. Then Munkin went 1-11, three and nine and then went nine and five in his final year there before resigning and, and moving on to the NFL. So you're looking at kind of, uh, um, you know, what he did there and it, 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 it was really impressive. I mean, it was, it was absolutely, um, I mean, I, to be honest with you, it was, it, it, I kind of, you look at the offense and it's like a little bit of a video game offense. You know, one of those that you're like, uh, you know, where you used to play NCAA and, and you would you would kind of put up just numbers that that would almost, you know, that everybody 
talks about as as you know everybody wants that kind of offense everybody wants that kind of balance everybody wants that kind of you know everybody to get you know as the, as the guys say these days everybody to eat and and he he put that kind of offense together at Southern Miss in 2015 man this guy had a 4000 yard passer in Nick Mullins he had two 1000 yard receivers well, I'm sorry, one 1,000-yard receiver, another that had 925 yards. Mike Thomas, not Mike Thomas of New Orleans Saints fame. He played at Ohio State. But Mike Thomas had 1,391 yards receiving, averaged almost 20 yards a catch. And then Casey Martin had uh, 925 yards receiving, had another receiver, uh, DJ Thompson, that was over 700 yards. Then two 1,000-yard rushers. Uh, if you follow Georgia football, you're probably familiar with the Falcons, and and Edo Smith was one of those guys, rushed for over 1,100 yards. And then if you're a Raiders fan, uh, you, you'll recognize the name Jalen Richard, who or, or Ricard, I, I'm not sure how you pronounce that, but he had a little over uh, 1,000 yards, actually almost had 1,100 yards. Both of those guys averaged over six six uh, and a half a carry. or um, oh, I'm sorry, both of them averaged almost six a carry. Uh, just that kind of balance it should show Georgia fans that while this guy has a big time passing game acumen, it doesn't mean the run game's going to go away. Zamir White and Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton and uh, and James Cook are going to be factors. Georgia is Georgia. They're going to recruit big time tailbacks. You're running the football and being able to protect the lead and 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 you know do what Georgia was able to do a couple times this year, even with the offense struggling, and I saw the game away late when when you're up by one score or less. Is massive, so I think that that's something that 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 folks need to keep an eye on as well. And and uh, you know, just looking at that turnaround at Southern Miss in general uh, is pretty impressive. Uh, Kip, any parting shots here? Looking at those stats, you know, the begs the question: we, we're still we're heading into this 2020 season at Georgia. Our guy Terrence Edwards still the only thousand yard receiver at Georgia, thousand and three yards, I believe. Uh, you know, this is the type of offense that. Could pro, you know, potentially give Terrence Edwards some company, you know, in that stat sheet. You uh, again, you look at what Todd Munkin's offenses have done. Uh, I think it, you know, it's tough to find one of his offenses that didn't have a thousand yard receiver in it. So uh, that's something just to keep an eye on moving forward. Can someone, you know, finally join Terrence Edwards in that thousand yard club at Georgia? Uh, this is the kind of scheme that that could make that happen, and, and they definitely have you know, the returning talent and incoming talent at receiver to do that. So that, that's kind of something I, I would be looking, you know, to this season that, you know, maybe that, you know, Terrence not only gets company, but, you know, maybe there's a new guy as the season leader in receiving yards at Georgia. Don't think that's a hot take at all, considering that, you know, all the games that, that Georgia is going to have an opportunity to play more than, I mean, almost certainly 13, very good chance at 14, and then we'll see what happens beyond that. Uh, uh, I, I do think that that this is going to bring some excitement to the passing game. I think fans have every reason to feel pretty good about this, and um, I'm interested to see what happens. I'm I've boots on the ground all the time here in Athens and, and keeping an eye on this whole thing, and, and uh, 
uh, not surprised that this worked out, um, th- that George was able to get Todd Munkin, not ever since early this week. Uh, and, and we'll see kind of what his official title is when, when all of that information is, it comes to light. Uh, but until then, that's all we've got. Uh, that's all of our thoughts on Todd Munkin. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. He's Kip Adams of Dogs 24-7. Rusty Mansell also joined us uh, for a bit there. So uh, keep an eye on everything going on. But for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, that's it. Take care, everybody.